Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, day four of the Australian Open, mate. I'm Ben Rothenberg, and Courtney is currently grimacing at my at my accent. Hi, Courtney. Thanks for being here. No problem. No problem. On behalf of the Australian people, I grimaced at your at your accent. On behalf of the Australian people, I grimaced at a couple things that happened in Australia today, results-wise, or just match-wise, on court. Uh, one of them wasn't really a result, but the Ash Barty match I want to talk about for We're going to talk about a couple of the top-line women who are doing things and okay. then other general impressions. But, like, Ash Barty, I got to say, I was watching her match. She was rolling, cruising up 6-1-5-2, Ash versus Dash, easy to build match, like Avrilova. Uh, and then she just really started just looking shaky and missing constantly. It didn't look like she was feeling great, maybe with the, the taped-up thigh that she was slapping at in anger a couple times, out of character for her. Uh, if, if nothing's wrong. I don't know. I was bummed and concerned by that match. The tennis was not good, I should say, in that second set. It was a tough match to watch quality-wise, especially for Ash Barty, who's usually just like from five chef two kiss up. all over the place. Right. From 5-2 up. That's what, yeah, sure. I mean, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what's the sort of concern level you think with, with Ash? Who got through that match and plays against Alexandra next? Yeah, no. I mean, th- when she walked out and the strapping was there, I was like, this is a second round match. And your yeah. your legs already strapped. Now, obviously, she did play all the way through to the final of the Yara Valley Classic last week. She's also in doubles here. Um, so already it's a little bit of a flag just because, like, you, you don't want to see a stitch of tape on anybody before, like, the round of 16 at the earliest, you yeah. know? So, you know, easily even before the performance, you know, a little bit of kind of like, hmm, keep an eye on that. Look, Barty has been straight up just telling everybody it's perfectly fine it's just a piece of tape and the strapping looks far more serious than the actual tape job is that the strapping is to keep up which i think is means that there must be some sort of kinesio tape or something which isn't a thing that wraps around a leg maybe, but it, maybe the word it would it, slide down her leg if it wasn't wrapped or yeah. rub off you yeah. know like if it's if, effectively the way that she described it it made me think that it was like a and this is pure spec um that it was like a groin area piece of kinesio tape and if you obviously run a lot that and you don't cover that tape it might rub off you know because it's going to hit your other leg so maybe you just wrap it to keep it secure i don't know but basically she was be- she was quite cagey about it generally just because she wouldn't spe- specify what it was but she also said i'm fit as a fiddle i'm ready to go it's not a problem i feel perfectly fine it's just there for support so you know but that being said at five two up yeah when she angrily slapped that leg I, that was when i was like she didn't just angrily yell but we've seen that before right like yeah. when athletes have an injury that they they kind of go at it that was a little bit worrisome and also her explanation was she just lost her way tactically but it just really felt like the sting out of her shots left and that yeah. was the thing because tactically i get it but it wasn't like the serve was going at the same pace that it was 30 minutes earlier and the backhand wasn't looking great and she wasn't getting good depth so i don't know you know i know what ash is saying but i also know what i saw yeah and it looked yeah. a little bit more that there was something more than just oh i i decided to start going down the line instead of keeping things cross court that just didn't seem like that was right no that wasn't how i saw it and i also just also think that ash's personality is not someone where she's going to be you know saying oh woe is me i have this thing i'm playing through she's going to keep that stuff close to the vest she's not going to talk about injuries so that means i just i've said that you know not as any sort of i don't know if people are taking that as a slight but just know that you're gonna have to do your own 
closer reading yeah. of her sometimes and look between the lines or just see well, what to trust she, your I eyes too i don't think that she wants to give you know the media she doesn't no. want this thing to be a whole like ash is very aware that any little thing that she says out there that isn't between the lines and almost borderline boring yeah. is going to get blown up into a thing, yeah. you know, when she's playing in Australia. So I think she wants to mitigate that quite a bit. And she's very good at controlling, actually, her narrative. She's one of those players she who... She is. We've talked about this before, but the player exerts so much more control over a press conference than some of them might realize. Ash is such a good example of that. Ash yeah. sets such a tone. She's very much in control of that room when she's in there. And this was, yeah, that was a... And this her this is going to be an her, interesting moment for yeah. that sort of dynamic. It's her game style. Totally. She, she, she asserts control. She controls you in a way that you don't realize... You know, it's it's not a type of control where I mean I think Serena controls her her narrative as well and, and her press conference. It's a little bit more direct at times. Mm-hmm. Ash, it's like her game. Like you know, next thing you know, you're running all over the place, and all she's been doing is hitting slices from the middle of the court. Yeah. But somehow you're like, wait, what just happened here? I don't think I got what I needed actually. <laughs> you know. So you know, she she's very good at that, and it's an interesting segue into i think the other big result that you wanted to discuss because i had yeah. just been i'd just been sitting here reading through ash's press conferences for the last week and it did make me think a little bit of in contrast to sonia kennan sonia kennan who is the defending champion and i actually went back and listened to our pre our draw show section about kennan because i think I, we both were kind of on this before where kennan came into this tournament with low confidence and like self-doubt that really doesn't from and obviously confidence and doubt or whatever aren't supposed to be necessarily rational per se, but she was like giving herself much a much harder time and putting this like really undue pressure on herself to to deliver and and or to be this like the big world or something. I'm not sure whatever the, her 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 understanding and again this is it is subjective, so it's not really a wrong answer to like how much pressure should you feel or not feel in a given moment. But she was talking about how everyone expected her to win, how everyone was talking about her. And it just, it doesn't, and she was talking about external pressure in a way that doesn't, that's something we can think about. And like, I'm sorry, there were like five players, at least in the women's show, who are getting more attention than her coming into this tournament. But she still just really beat herself up about it, Courtney. And I know we both noticed that quote that she had um, after her first round win, uh, which she had over Madison Inglis, where she said that she saw that Kaya Kanepi, who was her second round opponent, who was very circleable match, dangerous, giant killer Kanepi, we know all that stuff. She said she saw Kanepi was winning and she like broke down like in tears. And <laughs> that's just like, what? Like, I'm sorry. That, that's just like, what's, what is happening here? And like, I, I, I appreciate Sonia for being so honest and so raw, but like things are not working right right now in, in her brain to put to seemingly dig herself these holes yeah it, it it's super interesting you know because you you have this crew and she lost of, by the way <laughs> oh, sorry. she lost to kanepi three and two she lost to kaya kanepi <laughs> it's it's super interesting though because you have this group of five young major champions yeah in ash barty naomi osaka iga Swiatek, bianca andreescu and sophia cannon Every single one of them, they're all going through the same thing at different stages. Obviously, Naomi will have already dealt with most of this, you know, because she won two years ago, three years ago, two years ago, three years ago, whatever. But we lived through Naomi figuring that out, right? And the losses and and the things and not being able to perform and feeling, you know, I remember her Wimbledon loss to Putintseva, just like she, she she 
jolted out of that press conference, you know, yeah. and was very emotional. So she's gone through it. Shviantek right now is kind of dealing with it, it all in real time as she will eventually head to Paris one day. But like, you know, but she's speaking very openly about it, about these expectations that, yes, are external because it's such a massive thing in Poland and what life was like when she got back to Warsaw. Same with and and Iga and Bianca and Naomi are in similar positions insofar as they're really big deals in their home countries. Yeah. What they did. So I can understand when a Bianca or an Iga or a Naomi talks about external pressures and Ash. Yeah. Obviously. That's where the disconnect was a little bit with with Sophia because she was constantly talking about it. But your from the your home country also has Serena, has in a weird way semi adopted Naomi as well. Completely, totally. You know, is very well aware of Bianca because Bianca won on U.S. At, on home soil. You know, we, Americans have eleven players into the second round, the most of any nation. And we're just like, and we're just less nat- nationalistic about our tennis in other countries to start also with. Also true. Yeah. And, you know, and so you go into the Australian Open and yes, you are the defending champion. And I understand the pressure subjectively. But what was where where it was, I would have loved to have been able to dig into it, which we didn't get a chance to. um, But I would have loved to kind of get to the bottom of that with her a little bit better, because, as you said, she wasn't one of the top five favorites to win the title. So there wasn't kind of this like, you know, swirl. If she wasn't the defending champion, chances are press obligations would have been very low. Like, in other words, the defending champion aspect of it was kind of like the obligatory things you have to do as a defending champion as opposed to organic hype that happens because people genuinely think that, you you know, something big big is going to happen. And so I would have understood if if Sonia had said, I'm putting pressure on myself, kind of like what Sviantec has been explaining a lot. Yeah, where she, one of the, Iga's been very openly talking about it. She's been encouraged by her sports psychologist, Daria uh, Abramovitz, to openly talk about it and not to hide the fact that she's nervous or scared or all these sort of things, but just say it. But one of the things that Iga said was she was like, one of the big good examples of how, how I feel now and the expectation and the pressure is that I practiced with Svitolina in Rome before Roland Garros and I was practicing with her and practicing with her and we played a sparring match and it was six all and I was like wow like I can't believe I'm hanging with like a top five player like wow look at my game this is awesome this is you know now they were cohorts you know here at Mm -hmm. quarantine they practiced together for two weeks and Ika said now I expect more from myself but like when I'm practicing with her and let's say I miss a ball I'm mad at myself but she's like, but nothing's changed between Rome yeah. and now. Physically, I'm the same person. I'm the same person player-wise. It's just between my ears that now. But but the way that Iga kind of describes that is this is the expectation I now have of myself. Not that people expect me to win the Australian Open, but I myself now expect myself to play incredibly well because now you know Paris proved that I could. Sonia's was a little bit more of a muddled answer of like she said it was external, but then at other times she said pressure on herself. So I just I couldn't really distill um, and get a clearer picture of why she was as rattled as she was. I just hope she's OK. I mean, you yeah, know, just because just because it, it just does seem like she's you know dealing with stuff and not dealing with maybe especially well or just letting herself be sort of more upset by things than you would expect her to be. And she's somebody who even, you know, before has talked openly about how she just like as a really hair trigger for bursting into tears about various stuff. And it's always sort of like that, but this does seem to be sort of different where she's sort of creating problems for herself 
that we don't think necessarily need to be there creating baggage for herself or expectations or just making making life harder than we want it to be for her so and, and in this instance yeah. too i mean if you were to contrast her attitude when she was playing inglis you know she was like salty she was angry she was slam you know she was like desperate to win that match and and fighting through the nerves and and i think you and i both remarked on it while watching the kanepi match she just she had lost that match before she stepped on the court. She totally. just, she knew she, it was like, she knew the result was happening or she could feel the ground swell. Like she just, it was in the air, you know, that kind of, and she was very flat. And that's not like her. And that's like, no. not the Kenny we know. The Kenny we know does not go down without a fight. She's a fighter. Yeah. And so I hope that, I hope the fight comes back. Obviously she's still at the beginning of what I hope is a very long career and everything like that. And, and she's got a lot of season ahead of her. And she uh, followed we'll, we'll see up how much AO, the season goes. She yeah. followed up her AO win by making a second slam final. So like, that's the thing. It's, it's not, not like, a, it's not she like she was like Ostapenko or even not, not even, Ostapenko did okay actually after her, when she made a Wimbledon uh, quarter and stuff. Wimby. Yeah, but, or that year she made quarter, quarter and then next year she made win. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, yeah. I mean, we're saying the same thing. Like, Kenan backed it up. I, I told her that when I was asking my question. I was like, you did well after you won your slam. Like, you won Lyon. You made the French Open final. Like, you were tracking pretty well. So, like, why all of a sudden did all this some feel like it was coming crashing down on I you? I mean, do you so. think that some of it is kind of the other side of the coin of this thing that fueled her to victory last year, which is a little bit of the chip on the shoulder? of nobody believed in me and da 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 and I don't get the attention and all that sort of stuff and and that can fuel it but now this is kind of the flip side maybe of maybe now the I, pressure is to prove yourself like that I, pressure to prove herself was fuel then and now it's an anchor I, I just don't, don't have an I don't have an answer I I just think that I don't she's know. sort of I, yeah, I, don't know. I think she has interesting <laughs> I almost feel like being Katie Couric in the 2008 election being like what newspapers do you read? Like, what are your sources? You know, she said to Sarah Palin, just like, yeah, yeah. where where do you get, where does your worldview come from? Because it doesn't match up with our reality. But anyway, there's probably enough on Kenan and, and her mindset. But um, any other thoughts before we're going to kick this over to an interview or a chat I had uh, with our colleague, Quentin Moinet of L'Equipe, uh, who is in Melbourne, did the whole hard quarantine, was at the match last night with Curios uh, and Hugo Umber, which was the sort of, Really did seem to kick off this slam in a big way. But any any parting thoughts from on men's and women's Courtney for you before we uh could go in here? We're recording this midway through day four, so I'm not sure if yeah. anything else will happen in the night. But Kokonakis now, after winning the first set, seems to be losing to Tsitsipas. That's about where we are time wise. Anyway. Yeah, no, I mean so far so good. I mean my overall take is that, and Ben knows this. I am surprised by the amount of chalk that we've been getting on the women's side of the tour for everything about the chaotic bottom half and things and all of these you know crazy opening rounds and even potential second rounds so far it's been chalk the encore interviewer who was interviewing kanepi afterwards on court said like we've just seen all these big seeds come crashing down left and right yeah. and i was like what are you talking about there's like the only top eight seed on either draw who's out before this match was andrescu who hadn't played a tournament in 15 months and she lost to Sue. So, like, I don't know what that was they, about. They bring this. They do this a lot at the Australian Open. They, but you, you know this. They do this a lot at the Australian Open. Maybe it's more exacerbated this year because a lot of the kind of international broadcast talent that sometimes would be brought out to do these interviews are yeah. can't come in. Yeah. So they've been relying on a lot of um, um, Australian MCs. And one of the things that we always notice during the Australian summer when we're there is that the coverage of the tennis, which is like all over the place. I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's great. But it is kind of Australia's only month of focusing on tennis. 
And sometimes the takes and the reads are a bit elementary. That's not even the right word, but kind of like not you know, they look well, and they see like, way. oh, two, yeah. two top two top tens lost today. That's terrible. Or oh, Bianca and Rescue upset. It's like, what she, I mean, was she? Like, was she though? Like, you know, like a little bit, things a little get bit, but yeah. A little bit, but like, you know what I mean? Like I saying totally that and Rescue drops out like, oh, stunning result. No, it's not actually in all manners. There's a reason why we underline that match. But so yeah, it, it it does tend to happen. But yeah, there's a lot of like, oh, I think they asked maybe Pliskova or somebody else the same sort of thing and another player yesterday, like We have actually had years. Like actually last year I'll show it up and there were a ton of top ten seeds out before like the fourth round. So it can happen. But this so far we're not having that. And especially and there have been some escapes, like Halep escaped against Tom Yanovich last night in a in a That would have been of, the first big upset. That would have been I the mean, first one. Yeah. Kirste- I mean Kirstea beating Kavitova, but it's also Petra. You just you know, nine, early rounds, you know, yeah. early rounds, you never know. But but when they were like two, you know, two former champions, Kerber and Azarenka out. And it's like, well, I mean, Azarenka surprising. Sure. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, it, Angie, you know, it's it's she's working on po- posting up some good results, you know. So just because that that moniker is there and that'll that'll make it sound like more of a, a panicky situation than it might be. Yeah. Anybody who is watching, you're like, oh, okay, Kerber lost. Well, that's too bad. You know what? And in some ways, I think maybe that to circle back to Ken, and I think that kind of explains her, right? Like, sometimes the framing of everything is hard. If you're like, yeah. I'm Australian Open champ, and you see yourself a certain way, and even if it, again, it's not like what outsiders, how they would paint you or whatever, you can make what you want of yourself and the world around you. You can, you can, you can everyone can sort of interpret reality in their own ways to suit their own purposes, whatever they may be at any given point. And we just saw that in this term as well like when i was reading back on the ash press conferences that was what i was that kind of jumped out at me of kind of what her answers were to all the pressure questions and the expectation questions and all that and yes are they can i understand people say oh they're so boring she's just and it's like well yeah that's kind of the point isn't it like is that you 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 diffuse the pressure you know it's like well it's about the work i have trust in the work that i do i the faith that i have in my team and all the preparation that we've done everything that we possibly can like you know everything outside of that is not in my control very boring yeah but healthy there you go <laughs> and on that note uh not boring but hopefully healthy Quantum one a of the keep joins the show here courtney thank you for being on always a pleasure as day four of the australian open gets underway Quentin Moinet of L'Equipe back on the show. Again, coming to us live from Melbourne. Quentin, bonjour. How are you doing? Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm good. I'm mostly just want to know about you. I have I have FOMO about the Australian Open. I, I want to know what it's like. There. I want to know everything. And last night you were at the biggest match of the Australian Open so far in terms of atmosphere and conversation and everything and drama, I'm sure, uh, which was Nick Kyrgios beating Ugo Umber in five sets after saving some match points. What was what was that like? What, you were in the stadium. I just want to know what it was like being at a sporting event like that again. Because it's been a long time since we've had one like that pretty much anywhere in the world. Yeah, to, to be honest, I felt like last night made the two weeks of quarantine worth it. Hmm. I think Jim Courier said it best on court. It was the best sound tennis gave us in a year. It, it, it really made it all worth it, like... Everything we've been through, Tennis Australia, the, the work, the huge work of Tennis Australia, yeah. the the controversy of the seventy-two cross-contact players. Uh, f- f- I feel like for I would lock myself in a room for two weeks for for a, a night like like last night, you know. 
Yeah. I had goosebumps everywhere. It was great. Really great. Did it feel like totally back to normal? I mean, because you've been in, I'm guessing you've been in a Kyrgios match in that arena before, because it's kind of an annual tradition, those sorts of matches there. Did it feel all the way the same? Did it feel sort of different? Because it wasn't as full as maybe they are in past years, but it was still, it still seemed like the atmosphere was was pretty similar, even if it was only maybe, you know, 60% of the, of the seats were filled. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I think that's what Nick Kyrgios said in press conference. He said that it was half full, but it felt like it was totally crazy full. So you don't need to have 15,000 15, people to have a great atmosphere. I, maybe there was like 5,000, 5, 5, I don't know exactly, but mm-hmm. the atmosphere was crazy. It felt like Davis Cup. I mean, the Davis Cup is dead, but yesterday <laughs> night was Davis Cup. <laughs> My sort of feeling, I guess, had been like this was the match that made the tournament really feel like, you know, the Australian Open was back. This felt like the Australian Open that we know and love and recognize as the Australian Open. But before that, it had felt different. I don't know. What what is the, what has it felt like for you on the ground there? I just want to get all your, I believe it's pretty open-ended about how you felt yeah. at this at this tournament. And I guess also maybe at the warm-up tournaments too. I agree with you. The, the first few days were quite disappointing, to be honest. Yeah. I thought there would be more people than 30,000. First, la- last week, there was almost nobody. Yeah. They didn't communicate. Tunis Australia said they didn't communicate enough about it. And there were like maybe 5,000 people for the, the, the six tournaments. And even the ATP Cup, I mean, Novak Djokovic was playing in front of 500 people on the uh, on the on the uh, biggest arena. So yeah. it was quite weird, to be honest. But even the few the first few days of the Australian Open, there were not so many people. The weather was not great. It was quite cold. Not big, not very sunny, not a big atmosphere. And last night there was the first big moment with Venus Williams. I feel yeah, mm-hmm. started to create something because of what happened. And uh, you, you talked about it on Twitter. It was the the biggest, the most amazing six zero six one six zero of the history of tennis. Exactly. I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yesterday's episode of the podcast was all about that match. Actually, yeah. even though it's six one six zero, but it was that remarkable. Yeah. It was really great. Then you had Alep Tomljanovic, who was probably the best tennis match of this Australian Open. Mm-hmm. But then you had the biggest match in terms of atmosphere with Kyrgios Ambert, because of Kyrgios, obviously. The guy brings something that almost no one does on tour. I don't know how people can't see it sometimes, but that's the way it is. And of course, the French had to be involved in that. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Hugo Abel, it was tough for him last night. But I think he will learn a lot from it. And really, yeah, yesterday it was really a hot day in Melbourne. I felt like, okay, this is it. So something started yesterday. The tennis is back alive. What did you talk to Amber after the match? What did he think of the? I saw he didn't have an English transcript. But I'm guessing maybe you talked to him. What did he? Uh, uh, what did he think of the match? I mean, he was like every time he has a tough loss, he's really down. But at the same time, he's, he said he enjoyed it on the court. Mm. He said Nick is brings some brings a big show every time, and it was just great to be here. I enjoyed it a lot. But right now, it's tough for me. Sure. <laughs> Understandable. What what should we know about Umber more in the future? I think he's come up pretty quickly in the last few years, uh, winning some titles uh, recently, and I think a lot of people enjoy him a lot, but maybe don't know too much about him. What what should people, I guess, not especially outside of France, maybe 
what should they know about uh, Ugo just as a personality off court, I guess, especially too? Um, he's quite a shy guy. Like mm-hmm. I remember when he when he went to second week of Wimbledon playing against Djokovic, he almost didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. He was really shy. He, he even wanted French journalists to translate. He wanted to speak French and French journalists to tra- translate to to English in, people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really improved a lot lately, and he's a huge worker. He's not maybe. The, he's not Benoit Perlac like, in terms of funny guy and everything, but he's just a huge worker. He's really dedicated to, to what he does. Uh, he has an amazing back end. I think Nick Kyrgios talked about it yesterday. Mm-hmm. A big serve. Uh, can do almost everything on court. And I feel like he's the best chance France has right now. Not winning slams or things like that, but top 20, top 10 for sure one day. Um, and yeah, I think I think he's going to be great to see in the in the next few years. Speaking of the general French contingent, one of the, obviously one of the players who got a lot of attention in the first round, uh, just from even the footage of him impressed, was uh, Gael Monfils and his yeah. his emotions that he showed after his his first round loss to uh, Emile Roussevori. What what can you tell us about that? I mean, what's going on with Gael? I was seeing it and thinking, and maybe this is true, maybe it's not true. You can tell me that it was a a big part of just waiting for 14 days for this tournament in quarantine, even if it's not hard quarantine for Gal, but the anticipation of this, I think the emotions would be just increased and multiplied for everyone at this tournament in a lot of ways. I think maybe that's part of it, but also he hasn't been winning much lately, last year too. What, what do you make of what, what happened with Gael and that whole, that whole scene? I'm guessing you were there for that. Yeah, actually, I was the only one in the, in the room for the press conference. There mm-hmm. were people on Zoom, of course, but I was the only one in the room, and he was... I, I didn't expect that to be honest uh he didn't when he arrived he didn't i didn't feel like he was that down but when he, he, that's when he talked about his mom and what his mom would would tell told him to to be better that he, he just went down and um l- like you said he hasn't been winning in in a long time i think the last one was a year ago against richard gaskin in dubai then he had seven losses in, in a row for him, obviously, the quarantine is tough. And I think what is the biggest difficulty for him is was the absence of um, spectators. Yeah. He maybe he's like maybe like Nick Kyrgios, he, he needs to play in front of a big crowd to 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 feel his tennis. And yeah. right now he he really lacks confidence. He can't he, he's trying what's tough for him is that he's trying a lot, he works a lot. And it doesn't work at all. Like he's on court. Last week against Berrettini, he was trying so hard. He was putting every ball five meters behind the line. Today, he if I, against Rusevoy, he was just trying to push the ball on the court and he couldn't even do it. So it was really tough for him. But I don't see him not finding himself back one day soon. I mean, he's too good to, and he works too hard not to, to, to be back uh, on top soon. Yeah, you're right, though, especially with Monfils, you mentioned Kyrgios, too. Those yeah. are players who live for the crowd, right? So it makes okay. sense that, that Gaio would have had a tough time in 2020, after, you know, during yeah. the resumption, then with no crowds or with very little crowds, let's say, in Paris. And then um, and then also, even his match against Rusevori was, like, the, probably the emptiest Gaio Monfils Grand Slam match in a decade. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a small it was, court, and it was not full at all. Yeah, small usually. court and not full. It was very weird to see. That was the one where... That's the main match of everything that happened on the first two days. I was like, that's not right. Like, if you put Monfils on that court, 
it should be full. It's more feet. And you were but, given more with that. Just the court next to him was Rafael Nadal uh, training, mm-hmm. and it was like crazy full. So he he, he could see uh, hundreds of people turning uh, them their back on him. Right. Yeah. Things. So pretty tough for him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's rough. And I guess you're right, Kyrgios too. I hadn't thought of that before, but you're right, Kyrgios didn't play any tournaments without fans mm-hmm. because he missed all of last year. And so I'm not sure how much that was part of his thinking or how much he didn't want to travel from away from Australia, which was pretty safe. But uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine Kyrgios playing in an empty stadium. That'd be very bizarre, for sure. And and I think it's not a coincidence that tennis comes back to life when Nick Kyrgios comes back to the tour. Mm. It matches. Yeah, makes sense to me. Speaking of, of quarantine and the 14 days and stuff, you were the first sort of non-player guest we've had on here uh, who did the 14-day quarantine. And so obviously you were not given any sort of um, chances to go practice. <laughs> you couldn't go. They didn't let you go into the writing room for, you know, five hours a day to practice your writing or anything. How was your experience? Uh, and how was the decision also to come to Australia? Because you're the only person from Le Keep who's there. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So how, how, was this uh, whole, how was this whole process for you? Well, I had the bike in the room. I asked for it like a player, so it was nice. I could, <laughs> I could do some exercise. But other than that, um, I mean, the decision was like, okay, it's going to be tough two weeks, but then you have three weeks of almost freedom, total freedom, which is way more than what we have in France right now. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, the two weeks are maybe a bit tougher than than what I'm doing in Paris right now but we were expecting to have a, also a quarantine in France or I mean a confinement I don't know if, if yeah. it's the right confinement sure so I was like okay I mean at least then I have three weeks out uh, in the sun just enjoying tennis uh, going to restaurants uh, cafe and everything so I, I really felt like it was worth it I was scared that my biggest scare was when I go out, there are still positive cases and we have to be locked down again. That, yeah. That's what I was, And it, it almost comes to it when there was a positive case in the Grand Hyatt because I was right. staying at the Grand Hyatt for these two weeks. So I had to do one more day and be tested. And I was like, okay, if I'm the, the, the unluckiest man on earth, I will be positive and I will do all again 14 days. Right. And that would have been really, really tough. Well, we're glad you were not. And how how, no. just, how about just the, uh, the sort of the work side of it? I mean, obviously, Lakeep, people don't know, who aren't media people probably won't know, Lakeep usually has, what, like four or five reporters at a Grand Slam, it seems like, often? Uh, Australia would be three and okay. a photographer, and a US Open is, and Wimbledon are, is four. Okay. So, yeah. So, so from that, you're doing it now by yourself. Yeah. That's a, that has to be a, a lot of work. Hopefully, the expectations you're not expected to do the same amount of work as four people uh, would, but... Uh, and how, how does it feel like being having all of that covered by yourself and also just the atmosphere of being in the media room? Uh, does it re- what does the media room feel like? I'm guessing it's nowhere near full, but what does it feel like? Uh, I think they said it was 20% of what it was usually. Okay. They made individual desks. I mean, you've been there a lot. Usually it's, it's long ranges of, of desks. Right mm-hmm. now it's just individual desks separated uh, meters, one and a half meters from each other. Okay. Um, almost nobody uh, have access to the main interview room. It's like there's 15 seats, almost all for inter- international media. Actually, um, I can I I almost do every French guys in uh, real. 
not virtual because I asked for it, but I, I always have to have my mask on. The players don't, but we have to. Mm. Uh, same in press uh, in press uh, stadiums. We have we need to have the mask on. Uh, not the not the public, but we have to. Oh, you have to wear your mask when you're in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in the big industry in the three main stadium, yes. Sometimes they don't ask us to, but yesterday, for example, for Kyrgyz Amber, we we were asked to to wear the, the mask. Huh. I don't know if I don't know what the rule is if they changed it exactly, but yesterday they asked us to to wear it. Okay. And, and for the work, um, I mean the days are long, but they always are long in uh, in Australian Open. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I'm helped from Paris. I, there's always two people working at night in Paris to cover some matches, especially for the websites. And then during the days, there's also one or two people working to help me for for the newspaper. So. It's almost the same. The only thing, I'm the only one who can be in the room with players, who can talk to coaches, uh, not on the phone, which is always better yeah. uh, for nice to, to speak uh, in front of someone. So that's I'm focusing on on that, on on the atmosphere, on the things that I'm the only one who can see and hear. But other than that, I don't feel like I'm working twice as much as usual. Yeah. Has the, has the access to the areas with the coaches, you know, like the player restaurant, and everything, is that no. still like normal? No we, no, we don't have access to it, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tennis Australia, I mean, I don't know if they did it because of the COVID or if they, if they used the situation to just get us out. I know, that's what, that was exactly my thought. Is they're going to use this as an excuse to close that? Because yes. they've always been restricting the access every year. We, we'll see next year uh, how yeah. it is. But, but the Tennis Australia, we can ask for coaches with Tennis Australia, like we ask for players. Oh, okay. So it's nice. And you can, on small courts, you, you, like always, you can stop a coach and talk to him. You know, there's there's yeah. no one in you not to do it. So, But on the, the, the main problem is the big courts. It's always tough to find the coaches after a match on the big courts. You don't have the, exactly the same access. And not being able to go to, to, to the player area is, is obviously a problem, but... We'll get used to it. Yeah, you were at the French Open too. Does this? How different does this tournament feel from the French Open? It's totally different. Obviously, the weather. Is yeah. Not the same. Oh God, yeah. Um, but first French Open, you had to wear the mask twenty four seven, inside, outside, all the time. Everything was virtual. You couldn't see the players in the in the main interview room. You, you couldn't sit there. And obviously, the crowd. I mean. Thousand people compared to twenty thousand like last day. There's no comparison. I mean, a thousand people. You have a small atmosphere. You have people cheering. Okay, but you don't have. You can't have what happened last night. Right. For example, it's right. impossible. It's impossible. So, and I think it's going to be like that for the rest of the tournament. You're going to have the big matches are going to be in a great atmosphere. I hope so. I hope so. No, it really did feel like something started last night with uh, Kyrgios and Umbert. And so hopefully that momentum can sustain um, at least into the next Kyrgios match against Dominic <laughs> Team, if nothing else. Yeah, good one, yeah. Last sort of question I have. Does this feel... I mean, we obviously don't know exactly when the pandemic is going to be over. Yeah. When vaccinations or whatever else happen to make it so people feel safe again. But until then, does this feel sustainable? You know, I mean, does it feel like it's working it back to usual or is this sort of one 
very unique situation where it's in a city with no COVID, with a government that's been extremely strict and organized about these things. Um, and it's still, you know, everything else is still uh, doubtful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've talked to some French players about the situation and they were all scared of coming back to Europe after yeah. this trip. They were, okay, right now it's great, but where we're going to come back to Europe is going to be even more difficult because we experienced again a normal tournament, yeah. a normal, normal crowd uh, and everything. Normal and life, then, being able to go to restaurants life, and everything, yeah. yeah. Exactly, normal life. And then going back to bubbles or uh, no, no crowd at all, I think it's going to be even more difficult than what it was la uh, last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how the players react. Uh, you talked about it with Memphis. Mentally, it's tough. I know some people don't understand players complaining, but because they win a lot of money, uh, in, in, even in situation. But I, I think it's, it's, you, are, you have to understand that it's a scary, scary times for everybody. Oh, for sure for everybody and especially when you use you've been playing for 10 years in in a normal situation and now you have to play in front of nobody always scared of being positive and being locked down it's not easy no i've been saying that a lot about you know because i saw there was someone in my twitter mentions and i posted the malfuse video who was criticizing him saying oh you know he gets paid a lot of money he's doesn't have the worst situation in the world but and my response to that is everyone is having a tough time right now in the world. Everyone, you know, this is not a fun time for pretty much anybody on the planet to be living and existing. You know, every, everyone's life is, is difficult and it's good to have some empathy for that for all people, even if they are, you know, millionaire athletes or whatever. It's still hard. It's still challenging emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever for all these people. But I hope that uh, they're doing okay. I hope you're doing okay, Quentin. Thank you for for being on here very much. Well, then I want to quickly plug your book for those of you oh, yeah. uh, who have uh, who can read French or just like owning nice things even if you can't read them. Can you tell us about your book? Uh, a chapter of which appeared in uh, Racket Magazine very excitingly for me. Yeah, the, the, it was the, the first, the words of Benoit Père mm -hmm. uh, who was nice enough to, to do it for me. And I think it was quite interesting to, to read uh, how he feels about tennis and his life. And yeah, the, the book is, if you read French, the book is all about the craziest stories of, of tennis. Um, I mean, there's like a hundred of them. So if you like, I mean, e even if you're not crazy, a crazy tennis fan, I think you can enjoy it. And it's a very good gift. If you know, if you know any French tennis fans, perfect exactly. gift for, for their birthday or anything like that. Or Canadian. Is there Canadian, exactly. Or Haitian or Cameroonian, wherever you find people who can read French, it was, it's perfect. Um, is there, uh, I think, is there a chapter on, uh, Darko? Is that right? On, uh, yeah, not, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a story. I, I asked you about it. Yeah. I asked you a few questions about him. Yeah. Outstanding. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but his legend lives on yeah. in French as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening with him, but. I hope he's doing okay. I haven't heard much about him either, but, uh, I hope he's doing okay. Uh, Quentin, thank you very much for being on here. Enjoy the rest of your time in Melbourne. And how about thank for you? you? And we just last for thing for you. Are, are you, is it going to be tough for you to go back? Europe after living in uh, on this tennis island paradise. Yeah, probably because Paris right now is really bad in terms of everything, weather and COVID situation. But at least I, I, I mean, I can't complain right now. I'm in a better situation than almost everybody on the planet. So yeah. 
uh, it's okay. At least I, uh, I would, I would have had three, three great weeks. Good. Well, I hope you have good another ten days or so at the tournament. Are yeah. you staying at? Are you leaving right after the tournament? Are you doing any vacation or anything uh, in Australia? I'm, I'm supposed to leave on Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday at the tournament, but I'll see. I'll see if I uh, maybe I'll stay a few more there. I don't know yet. Well, either way, uh, good luck. Enjoy the time down there. Thank you very much for being on here. And uh, congratulations on flying the flag for Lakeith by yourself. Uh, good work. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank you, Canton, for being here. And thank you for listening to No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow along or you're not listening, you can do so on our Twitter, which is not super active during the slams. Better to follow me and Courtney ourselves during the slams. I'm at Ben Rothenberg. Courtney is at 4 Deuce Twits and WTA Insider. Although 4 Deuce Twits is locked, Courtney. So you already, you know, Woo-hoo. it's already an exclusive club uh, there. My only fans. Oh, <laughs> Uh, if you want to show support for us uh, on our own website which is not only fans it is patreon <laughs> patreon.com slash no challenges remaining we are there and we want to thank people who are thank every episode who are slam champ level backer liz kennel jonathan weinbaum mary carillo leah williams betty audrey wellens sean mulroy anna valinder Susanna w jean simion and antonio maycumber and our goat backers mike nicole copeland pam shriver and j-o-d how how how's your sleep stuff? I woke up today at five p.m. Courtney. I am like on it. Oh, you're in it. You're I was like, thick. I was like, oh, I yeah. was like, oh wow. It was like day. I was like, I suddenly kind of said, I was like, wow, I did, I did it. Okay. Yeah. I no, closed I, all the I, I closed all the blinds, which I haven't yeah. normally done. But yeah, that's I really blacked thing. it out. Yeah. Um. No, I've been good. I mean, I I wake up between twelve and yeah, like twelve and one thirty my time. So and play starts at four o'clock my time. So mm-hmm. it's not so bad. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm 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 in the thick of it. I'm in the thick of it. Falling asleep has been weirdly difficult. Like even though plays over usually around four or five o'clock in the morning, like I I kind of. That's well, always hard. It's always hard to find. Complete... It's always yeah. hard to fall asleep immediately after a slam day ends. That's yeah. just normal. You you got to go to like. Uh, you where do we go? Supper club. Get you know, get some club. polenta exactly. chips. You know, have Those yourself a, a a Negroni. Oh, the sausage rolls. I miss the sauce so- and the pies. I'm a sucker for the sausage rolls and the little meat pies. They're delicious. Yeah, I miss the Melves. Hope to be back there in 2022. Uh, we hope. And we'll see you soon on NCR. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Breaking me to pieces I want